and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you back to our study and our exciting series on the Old Testament book of Joshua. Just that reminder for us, Israelites were in Egypt. God brought them out through the plagues, through His hand of deliverance, rescued them out of Egypt. Then God brought them into the wilderness where they wandered around for 40 years, certainly as a part of their disobedience to God. Now, after 40 years, God has been preparing this promised land, this new land for them to bring them into. God brought them across the Jordan River miraculously on dry ground, and now God is about to bring them in to the land that He has promised for them. Joshua is the new leader after Moses, and now they are ready to experience what God has for them. You ever been in the presence of somebody famous? You ever met a celebrity? You ever met a star, a, a sports hero, a, a musician, a, a movie star? Who'd you meet? Mel McDaniel. Charlie Daniels. Who else? Who'd you meet? Ralph's the only one who met somebody? Band members from the Christian group Audio Adrenaline. Craig Krenzel, former Ohio State Buckeye quarterback. Yes. Tony Stewart, I didn't know who he was. There, there you go. Tony Stewart, the NASCAR driver. No, no. Who else? A lot of them. Name a couple. Travis Tritt, Dolly Parton, Brutus the Buckeye, John F. Kennedy. Woo! You know, when you meet somebody like that, now, maybe you don't know who they are, and in many cases you do, or you kind of understand who they are, but when you get in the presence of someone who is famous to you, Maybe not everybody knows about this person, but there's, there's something about meeting that, that famous person. A, a few years ago at, at men's convention, uh, we had the opportunity of meeting uh, Jim Tressel, a former Ohio State Buckeye coach, and uh, Maurice Claret, uh, the running back for the Buckeyes, and that was kind of cool to kind of connect with and meet and, and uh, maybe get an autograph or a picture. Back in, in my high school era, uh, I remember our youth group went to a Carmen concert. Carmen was big. In fact, he's still around. 23 years here. And we went to the Carmen concert. I don't remember exactly where it was, but I had my cassette tape with me. Cassette tapes, those, those relics before CDs, CDs before today's MP3s, but had my cassette tape with me in my, in my pocket. If I remember right, I, I had those jeans that had like pockets all the way down, so I, I, was, I was ready. Okay, this, this was, you know, 80s we're talking about here. And I remember afterwards waiting in line, and, and, and I took my little, you know, little jacket out of the cassette tape, and, and he signed it. It was a C and an A and some squiggles. Whoa! I mean, this was Carmen, the Christian music singer that I thought everybody knew, right? But when you meet somebody famous, 
and you're in their presence, sometimes you get a little nervous, sometimes you get a little awkward, sometimes you don't know what to say because, well, these famous people must know all kinds of other famous people, and here they are talking to someone like me, and, and sometimes all you can say is, hi, or who's this, right? But when we get in the presence of somebody special, things change. Now, we're not looking at Tony Stewart this morning. We're not looking at Dolly Parton. We're not looking at Charlie Daniels. We're, in fact, looking at someone even more special, even more powerful. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in the Word of God to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5 as we continue our study here. So we see that in chapter 4, God had done this incredible miracle of bringing them across the Jordan River. And then we see some continued preparation for God doing something incredible in their lives. But before we get to chapter 6, before we get to another incredible story of Jericho and the conquering of Jericho in such a unique way, what we're looking at is Joshua encountering someone special. And we're looking at the last three verses of Joshua chapter 5. We didn't get to them. We didn't cover them last week. So Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Just stop for a moment. If you see someone with a drawn sword in their hand, what might you be thinking? Linda says run. That, that's, a pre, that's a pretty smart thing. I, I heard that. Got some eagle ears over here. You, you encounter someone with a drawn sword, your first thought isn't, hey, buddy, let's hang out sometime, right? So we've got Joshua encountering this individual with a drawn sword. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Verse 14, neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord... I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, just to review real quick a, a couple of things here before we jump into the message this morning. Where was Joshua? Joshua was near the city of Jericho. In a sense, this is kind of enemy territory. God had brought them across the Jordan, and they were about to conquer and overcome some of these areas and some of these lands that God was giving them. Now, perhaps he was there, you know, what was he doing? Maybe he was surveying the city. Maybe he was scouting it out. Maybe he was examining or coming up with some military options, perhaps, for battle. Maybe he's wondering how in the world we're going to get through this walled city. 
of a place called Jericho. But he was there, and then who did he see? It says, as he looked up, standing in front of him was this man with a drawn sword, and he identified himself as the commander of the army of the Lord. First of all, that that sounds pretty impressive, right? The commander of God's army. How many of you are in God's army? How many of you sang that song in kids' church way back when? You want to do it? You want to sing it with me? If we do it now, I'm just telling you, you got to do the motions, okay? If we do it, we got to do the motions. So are you ready? Stand, Stand with me if you would, okay. If you're listening on the podcast, you've just got to understand the entire sanctuary. They're all standing up, and they're going to sing, I'm in the Lord's army, all together. Are you ready? The spur of the moment, so hopefully we can, we can remember all the motions and all the words. Are you ready? I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery, I may never fly o'er the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir! I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir! I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir! I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. All right. You can be seated and give yourselves a hand. That was good. For some of you, that had been, been decades probably since you've sang that song, right? You just pull, pull the oldie but a goodie out. Some of you are shaking your heads. No, that was just, just yesterday you were singing that. So this was commander of the Lord's army. Was this just a military person? Was, just, was this simply the general, if you would? Most scholars, as they take a look at this, would say this was, this is official big word, we've come across this a couple of other times, a Christophany, an appearance of Christ before the appearance of Christ in the New Testament, born as a baby in Bethlehem. All right. Our minds just went... It boggles our minds because when it comes to God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we talk about having eternally existed. And that completely boggles our minds, always having been, and we say, but I've been born, I've got this born on date, and at some point, there's a date when I don't have that date. We have this finite period of time, and so for God having eternally existent, in the Old Testament, there are some different situations where an individual shows up and we see that as the appearance of Jesus Christ. Now, why would we say the appearance of Christ as opposed to perhaps an angel? Because certainly there are angels that have shown up and 
connected with people, right? One thing is this. What we see is Joshua fell face down in reverence as in worship to the individual. When it comes to worship of angels, angels will not allow themselves to be worshipped. And you can see that throughout the Word of God and in Scripture. And yet this individual did allow that. He didn't say, no, 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 don't do that. I can't receive that. And then secondly, did you notice the words that the commander of the Lord's army said in verse 15? Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. Now, this is Bible trivia time. But does that phrase, does that sentence, does that statement sound familiar to something you've heard or read of God speaking to somebody else? I'm seeing some heads shake up and down. So on the count of three, tell me who it is. One, two, three. Moses. Maybe you remember a little bit earlier in the Word of God, Moses came across the burning bush, right? And it was burning, but it wasn't burning up. And God spoke to Moses through this bush, literally word for word, this statement. Take off your shoes, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So two huge clues for us and for scholars that they would look to this and say, because of the fact that this commander of the army allowed Joshua to worship, because of the fact that the words that were spoken were literally word for word what God had spoken to Moses, they would see this as that appearance of Jesus Christ being in the presence of the Lord. And it's a great encouragement for us that the Lord will come to visit and encourage and bless exactly when we need Him and in the way that we need Him. So we're, we're talking about this appearance of Jesus Christ. Just to, to give you a couple of other instances, if you remember in Genesis, there was an individual that appeared to Abraham and they would see that as an appearance of Jesus Christ. Individual that came and wrestled with Jacob in Genesis 32. Individual that came and stood in the furnace with the three Hebrew wise men. Not wise men, Hebrew children. Wise men in the New Testament. But you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on the fiery furnace. The king said there's a fourth as unto the Son of God. So here we have just a, a handful of situations and illustrations where we see Jesus intervening, Jesus stepping into the scene. So the question this morning, what do you do in the presence of God? I mean, we know what we do in the presence of some famous people. Maybe, you know, you, you take some paper, maybe you've got a a photo, and you have them autograph it, or you take that cassette tape out of one of your 75 pockets of your acid-washed blue jeans, and you ask for the autograph, right? Or in today's day and time, maybe it's you get up close to the person, you put your arm around them, and you go like this. You got to get your selfie, right? 
We know what we do around famous people and in their presence today. One or two things, we might blab on and on and on because we're nervous, or we might get frozen and not speak anything because we're nervous. But what do we do as we're in the presence of God? We're going to examine what Joshua did here and explore a handful of things for you and I, things that we ought to do as we are in the presence of God. So first of all, what do you do in God's presence? Start with God. Now, you're smiling and you're probably thinking, that seems so obvious. If you're in God's presence, certainly we've got to start with God. I mean, we're already there, right? Sometimes that isn't always what we do. We can be in God's house. We can be in God's presence. And sometimes being with God, starting with God, connecting with God is one of the last things that we seek to do. Joshua was in the presence of the Almighty God, this commander of the Lord's army, and he's starting with God. The challenge is, let's make sure that us connecting with God is that first choice, not a last resort. Sometimes what we seek to do is, we do everything we know to do, and when we've exhausted all of our options, we go, oh, let's go to God. It's as if that light bulb just goes off and goes, ding, and it reminds us, I can take this to God. I can connect with God, and this is after we've explored all of these other situations, all of these other options. Joshua's meeting up with, Joshua is connecting with this commander of the Lord's army, the Lord himself, and he's asking, who's in charge here? He's saying, hey, you for me or against me? Friend or foe? Right? The individual's got the drawn sword. So Joshua's, he's got to explore his options. With me or against me? For us or against us? Friend or foe? And those are the only two answers he's expecting to hear, right? It's either yes, and Joshua says, then great, then lead the way. You got the sword. Or if he says no, I'm against you, maybe Joshua puts the dukes up, right? What was the answer? For you? That wasn't the answer. Against you? That wasn't the answer. He said Neither, neither, but as commander of the Lord, I have now come. See, the question isn't so much getting in God's presence and saying, God, are you on my side or not? The better question is, are we on the Lord's side? Because in so many cases and in so many situations, and definitely as it, as it relates to a lot of modern conversations in today's culture, we wonder, are you with me or are you against me? 
And the better question is, am I on God's side? Not, is he standing behind me, but am I standing behind him? It's been said during the Civil War, President Lincoln spoke with a man who expressed hope that God was on the side of the North. Lincoln replied, We know that the Lord is always on the side of right, but it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and the nation should choose to be on the Lord's side. Are we starting with God? Are we connecting with Him? Are we making sure we're on His side? See, we've got, we've got some options. Option one is simply we can do our very best and plan our very best and make it happen. Option two, we can make our very best plans, get it all set up, and then ask for God to hopefully help and bless the plans we've done. Option three is start with God. Connect with God. Ask for his help, ask for his plans, ask for his will, and jump on his side. From the very beginning, here's what Joshua did. He was wanting to start with God. In the presence of God, he was starting with God. Secondly, what do we do when we're in the Lord's presence? We're to worship Humbly. Verse 14, Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Joshua was worshiping the Lord. It says he fell face down to the ground in reverence. I mean, if, if you're falling face down, you're, you're not just sort of kneeling. You're not just sort of at a distance. If you're falling face down in reverence, that's complete submission, honor, and reverence to the Lord. Can we say that about our hearts and about our lives, the worship that we express to the Lord? This was Joshua, right? The man, the leader of all these people, yet he was the worshiper. He was submitting. He was saying, I'm not number one in this case. I'm submitting to the number one. I'm starting with God and I'm worshiping him. And how am I doing it? I'm going to worship humbly as he bows, as he worships in reverence in the place and in the presence of the Lord. There's that surrender of all inhibitions. Sometimes it's a challenge just to kind of clap in worship or maybe lift up a hand in worship or a second hand in worship to extend and express just a, a visible sign of surrender to God, maybe with eyes closed or hands uplifted or 
or appraised. He wasn't worried whether there was anybody else around. Now, we're not sure about that. Joshua might have been out by himself kind of scouting the city, perhaps. Maybe it was just him and this other individual, the Lord, as the commander of the army that he met. But Joshua wasn't worried to look around and wonder, do my people see me or not? Do the enemy see me or not? What will they think if this opposing army general is face down on the ground? It was that attitude and atmosphere of humble worship to the Lord. We're indicating we represent and we know he is the greater power. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to fall face down every day. How might we do that in our daily lives? How might we connect? How might we communicate to the Lord that we're worshiping and we are truly humble in his sight and in his presence? This was how Joshua communicated it in his setting, his day, his time. His heart was simply that of humility and that of worship to the Lord. I want to encourage us as we're in God's presence. He has promised to be with us always, all times. Let's make sure that we start with him. Let's make sure that we worship him humbly. And thirdly, let's make sure that we walk holy. Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. There was this holy walk, this holy lifestyle that was desired and required of him. We hear that word holy, and sometimes we think about jeans, or we think about socks, and we think about donuts. Those are all holy. Mmm, donuts. But holy is not about the presence of a whole. It's being dedicated, being consecrated to the Lord, set apart for his purpose. Do we live that way in our daily lives? Dedicated to him, separated unto him, set apart to serve him. You know, before the big wristband craze of the last 10 years or so with the Live Strong bands and all the other bands. There was a craze before that in the late 90s. It was the WWJD. How many of you had a WWJD wristband or a WWJD bumper sticker or anything else with those four letters? WWJD. Got a couple of bears. One of them I'd, I'd given to Kim. It was It was purple. So it was a teddy bear, so that was cute. That's when we were dating. And it was wearing a, a purple T-shirt, so that was cute. Purple's her favorite color. It said WWJD, and the bear itself was wearing a WWJD bracelet. I mean, how cute is that, right? Come on. How cute? Let's try it again. How cute is that? Oh, very, very good. You've got to pick your spots. That was a great, great spot. So I submit to you, you know, WWJD stands for what would Jesus do? The concept was, you know, think about what would Jesus do and, and do that. And, and certainly 
We know that Jesus would be pure. We know that Jesus would be holy, this holy walk. I would submit to you something else for a bracelet or wristband or T-shirt or teddy bear. W-W-Y-D-I-F-O-J. A little longer. Not quite as catchy, I admit. W-W-Y-D-I-F-O-J. What would you do in front of Jesus? Because how many of you know, based on the presence of who you're around, your behavior changes, right? Maybe you've been someplace, uh, been different places, uh, out and about in the community, and even, even before as, as a, a teenager who's just simply a Christian, sometimes a, a co-worker at McDonald's or a co-worker at Holiday Inn during my college years, and different ones. I'd come into the room as a joke's being told or filthy language was being said, and all of a sudden they'd stop and go, oh, sorry, Mark. They knew what I stood for and what I represented. Or maybe recently it's because of, oh, sorry, preacher. Sorry, pastor. Or sometimes it's been out with, as a family, maybe with our girls, and Somebody says something and looks around and they see two little kids and they go, ooh, sorry, dude. Because there's kids around, you're going to change your behavior. Because there's a pastor or a Christian around, you'll change your behavior. Sometimes simply because you're around your mama, you're going to change your behavior, right? Right? I mean, there's stuff that you say and do that there's no way you do in front of your mama. Am I right or am I right? Now, come on. Even greater than your mama is being in the presence of Jesus. And we're in his presence all times. He's promised to be with us. He lives within us as a Christian. And so the question is, how do I respond how do I act and think and speak and all of these things if I'm in his presence? Joshua was instructed to, to take off his, his shoes, his sandals, because he was on holy ground. We're always in God's presence, so let us be holy and walk holy in our speech. Can people tell that we're set apart, that we're different by the words we say or don't say? Hopefully so. Hopefully we don't use the same kind of language, tell the same kinds of stories, and use the same kinds of words as those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if we do the same and we use the same, other people see and hear that and say, well, I thought they were a Christian. They said they put Jesus first in their life, and they just said a bunch of four-letter stuff that I use. They're no different than me. So will we walk holy? Will we live godly in our speech? Will we walk holy in our actions? Because 
What's the old saying? What speaks louder than words? Actions. Maybe, maybe we're real good at the speech part. For, for some, maybe you'd say, maybe you'd say, you've not said a cuss word, a curse word in years. That's great. Maybe your goal is to always build up instead of tear down with your words. That's great. But what about our actions? We can have good speech and not so good actions, and isn't the effect the same way? People see that and wonder, how are we living? Do our words line up with our actions? Do they line up with what God's word teaches? And so as we're in God's presence, let's allow God to help us walk holy in our speech, walk holy in our actions. Here's a challenging one. Walk holy in our thoughts. Who? Who sees our thoughts? Aren't you thankful we're not cartoons? With those little thought bubbles, you know, whether that's uh, Garfield or any of the other cartoons where you see what the little animal or the person's thinking. As a pastor, I've always thought that would be rather unique if I could just see what you were thinking. I see your facial expression. I got a pretty good picture sometimes. Although some of you got that poker face going, so you're never quite, you know, you don't want to give away whether you're really excited, mad, challenged, convicted, you know, you're just kind of blank face, but it'd be great to see little, little thought bubbles just ding, ding, ding. Oh, that's what they're thinking. But what if that was the case for us? Every day, wherever we would go, little thought bubbles. All the stuff we're thinking about. Because, you know, if we're being honest, we know people hear our words. People see our actions. But we think, we think our thoughts. They're mine and mine alone. Nobody knows what I'm thinking. Nobody might know what I'm watching or viewing or reading or thinking about. But we ought to think and live holy in that area of our life as well. Is it pleasing the Lord? So Joshua is in the presence of the Almighty God. And so far, he's begun to start with God, walk holy, Worship humbly, but there's a final area, and it's an area that we've covered at other places here in Joshua, and I would venture to say we're going to cover it again because it, it just keeps popping up, I tell you. When we're in the presence of God, and we start with Him, and we worship Him humbly, and we're asking what He desires of us, and then we're seeking to walk in a holy lifestyle, the final thing is this, we must obey immediately. Did you catch those last four words of chapter five? It was so short, you might have glazed right over it as you're thinking about the famous people that you've met. If you missed them, 
Let me read it to you again. The very end of verse 15 reads like this. As the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. Final four words. It's its own sentence. And Joshua did so. Almost every version or translation, I read this in a bunch of them, many of them have those exact same four words. Another one was a little wordier and said, and Joshua did as he was told. One of them thought four was too wordy and it smashed it into three. Joshua did it. Three words, four words, ten words. The case is this. Joshua did what God said. He's in the Lord's presence. He's communicating. He's worshiping. He's seeking to live and walk holy. And then he did exactly what God asked him to do. He was seeking the Lord's will. He said, what message do you have for your servant? What have you got for me? I'm leading these people, your people. What would you have me do? He gave some instructions, and Joshua did so. He did it. He did what God said to do. We certainly have the opportunity of of doing our part and seeking God, seeking His will, As we pray, as we read the Bible, as we worship together, as we take part in growing and discipleship, whether that's different groups, Sunday school, church services of the messages, all of these things God can use. God God can use people. God can use circumstances. God uses a lot of things to help unveil and reveal His will. When God does that, the question is, will we respond in obedience? Because it's not always easy, right? We've seen some other situations already in the book of Joshua where God's word, God's instructions seemed a little out there just a couple chapters ago as they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River. God instructed them The priests were to carry the Ark of the Covenant and go step into the Jordan River, a mighty, rushing, flowing river at flood stage. It wasn't a lot of fine print. It wasn't a lot of if this, then this. It was simply go and step. And they did so. And as soon as they stepped foot, the water was piled up in a heap, The Bible says the rest of the water flowed downstream and God provided the Jordan River they could cross on dry ground. In that instance, they did exactly what God said to do. In this instance, the Lord gave some specific things, taking off your feet, sandals of your feet, and this is holy ground, and We're about to see in the next chapter some pretty interesting instructions in conquering the city of Jericho. 
It's not exactly what we would think the battle plan would be. Four words. And Joshua did so. He obeyed. Obedience is required. When God speaks to us, when we're in his presence, when we're, when we're in prayer and God kind of nudges us in our heart, when we're reading the Bible and it seems as if those just words pop off the page and God speaks to our heart, we must obey. Put that into practice and do what he says. That's what we do in God's presence. Joshua did exactly what God desired and did exactly what was asked. Sometimes we celebrate the littlest obedience in some cases, but completely disregarded in others. Here's what I mean. You remember having a tiny little baby in your household? If you're a parent, he had a wee little baby, and they would get to that point where you're, you know, teaching them to do something, right? Teaching them to stand or teaching them to walk or teaching them to do this or to do that. When they're so, so little and they obey to the littlest degree, we're clapping and celebrating and shouting and, oh, good boy, good girl, right? And if we're being honest, we do that sometimes with our four-legged kids. You got a pet, you're teaching that little dog to fetch or sit or lay down or roll over or don't chew my whatever. When they do something, anything, oh, those similar words come out. Oh, you're such a good boy. They kind of sound the same sometimes. You're talking to little kids and you're talking to little doggies. We, we use that, that voice, right? And we celebrate the littlest act of obedience because they're getting close, right? Then we get older. I'm not saying old. We just get older. And we kind of stop celebrating the obedience. Why? Because we're not doing so well with it ourselves. And God speaks to us and we think, oh, Boy, I better let so-and-so know this verse is for them. Now, God was impressing that upon our heart for us, and we just totally skipped it, threw it on to somebody else. We're trying to deflect all of God's will. We spend time in prayer, and God nudges our heart, and we dodge and weave, dodge and weave. Don't want the word of the Lord to connect, right? We're reading the Bible and we're reading chapter after chapter and verse after verse and God's words leaping from our hearts and we dodge and weave, dodge and weave. Seems as we grow older, we struggle more with our obedience. Let's get back to the basics. In God's presence, which we're in all the time, we're to start with God. In God's presence, we're to worship, but worship humbly because it's all about him. In God's presence, as we always are, we are to walk humbly. Our thought life, our speech, our actions, 
all that we do, let it honor him. And in God's presence, as he speaks to our heart, as we seek out his will, as we seek out his direction, we then obey immediately. Immediately. 